Welcome to a special bonus episode of Euphoria. Today we're going to be talking about the future of Europe and long-term partnerships. Now to do this, I brought on a couple of special guests. I'm gonna have them introduce themselves. Some of them you may know, some of them you might not. We're gonna start with you, Mark. Hey, my name is Mark, Mark Schnell. I'm German, German born, but I have a South Korean mother. Uh, I heard that's the perfect mix to be a, a strong gamer. <laughs> um, and I'm heading up the, the EU league management team. What that means is I'm responsible for the governance of our league and the, the structural design of it. Now, some people might know you as Snowbird as well, as you guys did an AMA yesterday on Reddit. So for any of those wondering, this is also Snowbird talking. Correct. About, yes. yes. The ultimate gamer tag. Yes. The, the Diamond 5 player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> famous Snowbird. on the US. Wonderful. All right, Ben, how about you go next? Well, I'm the famous bronze player. Uh, <laughs> I'm Ben Spoont. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Misfits and uh, live in Miami, Florida, but uh, loving my time here now in Berlin. Yes. Icy cold. Yeah. Cold I left uh, 80 degrees Fahrenheit for, for 30 degrees Fahrenheit, or I guess zero Celsius versus 22 or 25. You're, you're, you're learning so quickly I'm, about being I, European. I, I love the culture. We'll get you on metric next. It'll be yes, a great no, time. Yes, no, metric is much better. I agree. <laughs> it's much better. We should switch. All right, last but not least, Carlos. I think a lot of people might already know you, but introduce yourself anyway. Very good, thanks. Uh, I'm Carlos Ocelot, and... Uh, I am uh, 27 years of age. I started in esports with 15, uh, back with World of Warcraft, played it for four years straight, and then I moved into League of Legends in both games. I was for a period of time considered by some people the best player in the world. And uh, By yourself? I was absolutely, de most definitely the best player in the world in World of Warcraft. <laughs> and in League of Legends, I'll say that I had my good six months where I genuinely believed that I was the best. Um, but then I wasn't. Uh, and that's okay. Then I became a full-time CEO. I left my competitive career three years and a half ago. And uh, the rest is uh, history, learning day by day how to uh, build companies and lead people forward. Love it. Now we have to see if you go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the perfect hybrid of German and Korean genes. No, that's impossible <laughs> yeah, to impossible. be. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark is the ultimate esports competitor. You got, just because yeah. he has Diamond 5, you got to understand he's actually the champ here. I, I've tried to go competitive in, in a variety of games, actually. Back really? In the day. Yeah. I was terrible. I never made it in any. <laughs> so he's Diamond 5. He probably has like uh, tw 25 recorded hours in League of Legends. I'm actually a has been the Diamond 5. I'm glad not. I can't back up. Oh, that's the peak. Oh, I see, I see. Um, well, I'm in bronze, so any help that you guys can uh, can provide will be much <laughs> play, appreciated. Play more. This is my, my number one. Yeah, like, advice. he was expecting anyone to say, yeah, we can do it, dude. But there's no one here <laughs> stepping up for the, <laughs> for the task. No, 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 no. So um, before we get into it, it's kind of a, a big topic and a serious topic, so I thought we could start a little bit light. Um, Carlos, your team is playing today. We are recording on the Friday where G2 will be playing Splice. Oh, I, sh I should have made that question before. Like, I was going to make the question, hey, what do I do? As if we already played or we didn't play, you know? Yeah, no, no, let's no talk okay. about that. We'll, <laughs> let people, we'll let people know because I wanted to get some predictions. Um, uh -oh. Now, Ben, unfortunately, Ooh. your team has been knocked out. But, R.I.P. But... But Carlos, and Mark, I don't know if you can do this as, as head of the league. I want every team to win. There you go. <laughs> Look at that. You can call it a 3-3, three, three, the class. That, that, that's the half-German part. Know, we love ties. <laughs> that's the half-German part speaking. All right, Carlos, G2 versus Splice. What are, what are we going to see here? Is it going to be a 3-0? How, how, how strong uh, is it? So my, my expectation is that we are going to win 3-1. Um, of course, I have to say that we win. And uh, on one hand, I think Splice is a really good team, so they'll be able to win at least one game. 
Uh, on the other, uh, I don't want to say 3-2 because then that would mean that I'm not as confident on my team. So I'm, I'm telling you 3-1, uh, not because I'm an oracle, but because it's the most polite and socially acceptable result <laughs> for me to tell you. <laughs> we had a discussion on this in the last podcast about how 3-1 is the cop-out. It's like, I believe they're going to win, but I'm not confident enough to say a 3-0. No, exactly. 3-0 <laughs> is like, like cocky kid, you know? <laughs> All right, Ben, I know your team's not here. Yes. Do you believe in Carlos? Uh, do, you, do you think Carlos's boys are going to pull it through? I'll, I'll take the classic analyst desk move and take Splice. Ooh, nice. That's because Marty is below the... <laughs> because Marty what? It's, it's, it's around the room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's. I honestly think it's a toss-up. I think both teams are playing well. Uh, Splice played really well last week. We haven't seen G2. Uh, so it'll really see how they adapt, and I think it's going to be a great match. No, Splice is doing very well. Yeah. And uh, I'd be happy uh, that Marty's team wins, except for the fact that he's playing, playing against my team. team. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I'll be there cheering. All right. Right. Honestly, I'm I've never taking, asked. Do you have a jersey for me or any merch that I could... Uh, oh, that's a good question. Oh, I'll yeah, be, I'll, I'll, be I'll make that happen. All right. Uh, You're going to be in the studio today? I will be there. Oh, All my right. God. Exciting. You guys are probably going to hear this by the time the match has already happened, so maybe you're laughing about whatever the result is. Maybe Carlos <laughs> is a profit because it was 3-1. <laughs> Who knows? And Mark going with the classic to 3-3, the true non-biased <laughs> yep. prediction. <laughs> Playing a sixth game just to balance it out. Um of course, like, so if you guys haven't noticed already, on u.loysports.com, there's an article titled The Future of the ULCS, talking about a lot of changes that are going to be coming through in the future for ULCS. Mark is kind of the head of the, or the big person who is leading up these changes. Can you just give us uh, like a quick TLDR? What are like the biggest, biggest notes coming in from this change? Yeah, probably the, the biggest, most visible change is, is that we are going to partner with 10 teams that we are going to lock in to the league and, and uh, work with them as long-term partners, um, and that will mean that the existing promotion relegation model uh, will disappear. Uh, instead, we'll have um, the same team, 10 teams uh, in the league, and so that's, I guess, the most visible external change. Um, uh, important, though, also on the business side, of course, is, is that we are uh, significantly changing the way we organize revenue and distribute revenue. So uh, in the current system, uh, how it works is that teams are basically uh, paid a stipend. Uh, and on top of that, teams, of course, do their own business. Um, but it, it, is, it is a fixed amount that um, you know, went up year over year. But um, to be fair, and we, we recognize this, wasn't something that could ever sort of keep up with uh, the, how the, the industry overall developed. Uh, and we knew that that was ultimately not going to be a scalable system um, for various reasons. One other big reason being that it's it's not really aligning our incentives. Uh, ideally, we live in a world where all the league, as well as all of the partners, share the same goal, which is maximizing value of the league overall, uh, and then sharing the success of that. That old model did not incentivize that at all. At all. Like, for what it's worth, I don't know, like Ben or Carlos couldn't have carried less what the league overall makes because it's not like if they make more, then um, they get more. Mm. So so this is something big that, that we felt like we needed to fix. And um, we felt like a partnership model was a requirement for us to be able to fix this. 
cool. I mean, I think this is like a pretty big deal. I think a lot of people are, are going to draw similarities to, to what NA is doing. And I know we've, we've said pretty explicitly that there are a lot of comparison points. But for, for you guys, uh, for Ben and Carlos, how are you feeling about this initially? I know the announcement's pretty fresh coming out um, about this future plan. What are your initial kind of impressions of this as a change for, for the European ecosystem? Uh, yeah, so obviously very excited about it. Uh, I think that the way that it is structured is a way that will provide teams stability, more revenue opportunities, and ultimately, I think that for us, you know, with with the with the stipend or the subsidy that Riot previously provided was great, but it was almost too predictable in the sense of there was there's never any upside potential for us teams, and we always believe that the teams are contributing a lot to the ecosystem and to the league and to growing to the league, and if the league got sponsors because of the performance and the teams paying players and all and providing all the resources that we do, that ultimately we really didn't see any of that upside. So this flips that script. So for us, I think it's really the the right way to think about this and structure it and mm. obviously very excited. You know, for us it's literally the same thing. <clears throat> I would also focus on on, uh, on the fact that not only do teams have a higher upside in case things go well, but I think it's very important that uh, teams also have a lower upside if things don't go well. And pretty much every team holds, uh, or, or the group of teams hold each other accountable and hold also the league accountable uh, for all those shortcomings shown. Because at the end of the day, everyone wants to maximize revenue uh, so our businesses do better. We win or lose together. Exactly. No, I think that's a really good thing. Um, uh, and, and I'm a big believer that when you, when you have fire in your lower back, you know, is when you, <laughs> yesterday in our private setup, I, I said the, the other word, but yeah, fire in your lower back. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in, in, in that uh, kind of promoting more success and teams thinking more proactively and creatively about ways to monetize and capitalize on, on the success of the league. And, and I think that's positive. Yeah, I think also it's a, it's, a, it's a shift of the paradigm of Riot internally, right? So historically, if you look across their leagues, there's never really been a focus on maximizing revenue mm. of the leagues. You know, the production value has always been insane, um, but it's been a cost center, quite honestly, and not a focus of maximizing revenue. And this shift to you know, trying to either offset costs or increase revenue is, is great. And this is I mean, one thing I want to say to this, though, because maximizing revenue, sure, but that sounds sounds very corporate. I'll put it in, in this perspective. We, we're never going to go away from our core belief that we want our, you know, the, well, never say never, right? But we want, we want our core content to be freely available for everyone. We want it to be easily consumable, accessible, and all of those things. So... So these things remain important to us because just, you know, maximizing revenue, if you put that, you know, uh, say that way, you could also think, that, wow, now they're going to really, you know. Slash expenses. Yeah. yeah I mean, no, well, they're going to slash all the expenses. They're going to put like plaster ads everywhere. It's going to be everything's going to be exclusive and paywalled. I've been so, told I wear a plastic bag now on camera because it's cheaper. <laughs> no, I mean, so but, that's but not think, the idea. No, but just the opposite. You guys are you guys are investing heavily. Look at what you've done to the studio here in Berlin. Yeah. I don't think any of that stuff changes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, I think it's only good. There's no real there's no negative spin off of it. The thing I'm curious about is. Um, we talk about this partnership, but from your perspective, Mark, you know, kind of as a member of Riot and as the voice of this league in so many ways, are, are you worried at all about a future where Riot maybe doesn't have 
you know, as much 100% creative control over the league because you're accountable to these partners, to these other bodies uh, within the structure? Well, I mean, I, I think something's got to give always. Like, in a partnership um, in which you trust each other, in which you collaborate with each other, if you don't, if you're not willing to gives a little bit of control or like rights or any, you know, those things away, then it's just not going to have maximum effectiveness. So um, we think, sure, like if you will, there's a little bit of risk attached to that. Mm. It's like, look, let's lose, yes, let's use maybe uh, a relationship as, as an, as like a, <laughs> an analogy, yeah. as like an analogy here, you know? <laughs> If, if you just keep to yourself, if you're not willing to open up, like, is that relationship ever going to be really, you know, fruitful and, uh, and you know, uh, fulfilling? And um, it's kind of going to be probably hard. So I see it in a similar way. We, we are at a point where we believe that by working together, we're going to be able to increase the value and make this a more entertaining and, and more exciting thing for everyone. Um, and that means... We do want to, and we are looking forward to, I personally am looking forward to getting a lot more input from teams, working closer together with them. Because I do honestly think that looking at 2019, I do hope we have 10 partners on board and every single one of them can teach me amazing things um, and bring something to the table that the league doesn't currently have to that capacity. Uh, and uh, that's, I think, really the strength of this model. And does that mean we're going to lose control, however you want to call it? Maybe, but that's not really how I how, how I look at that. Hmm. I mean, it seems fair, like in, in this partnership where there are ten people, that it feels like it will be a more a more collaborative effort. And I'm curious, though, uh, you know, you guys have both talked about the positives. You really like the you know like the economic and the business side. It does feel like it's going to be a lot more sustainable for you guys. But are there any like initial concerns that you have? Um, we're going to chance to talk about every part of this announcement, every part of what's right. uh, been kind of committed to on, on Riot's end from this announcement. So, is there anything that that stands out to you that like? Maybe there's concerns about that you want to know more about. That. Look, there, there's always going to be uh, a lot of even like big, big items. There, every team is going, or many teams are going to be concerned about. Investors are going to be concerned about, and that is, I think, a normal thing, uh, considering the fact that we cannot just mimic what a traditional sport did, just because our dynamics are so different, and we can't just mimic what NALCS did, just because our dynamics are going to are so different. You know, uh, Europe is is has so many different countries and cultures and languages within and it's just a different market, way different market. And that opposes a lot of challenges and a lot of opportunities. The clear challenges for me at least, and this is something that I've been always very vocal about, um, at least internally, and, and I've always tried to even understand myself better, is how does it how does this all this partnership itself fit together considering all these regions uh, or the existence of these regions because at the end of the day you you want to make sure that uh, whatever you invest in whatever you put all your resources and your content team and your players and pretty much all your organizations focus onto is the place that is going to be growing the most and the place that is going to be the most impactful within the game um, and pretty much make ULCS the best league in the world mm. And, 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 you know, you, you, you want to make sure that whatever is surrounding your region, in other words, these regional leagues happening nowadays, some of them are really, really, really nice um, and successful, such as LVP and so on. Uh, you don't want them to shadow 
in any form or shape what you're doing with your main product. So that is definitely a concern, but at the same time, it's an opportunity because North America does not have those regions in which they can build player base and viewership and and capitalize on opportunities. So I think that's going to be a big, big um, item moving forward. And I know for a fact that, that, that Riot is working proactively on making sure that everyone wins from this. So I'm not worried on the, on the, on the kind of uh, final result and product uh, of what's going to happen pretty much, but I am concerned in a, in a good way about the discussions we're having today mm. shaping up that future product. Definitely fair. I think we'll get a chance too to talk more when we talk about player development, uh, also about kind of the development of the professional scene, not just on personal player development, but also on like some of those leagues you're talking about, the regional leagues, making sure we are getting the, the cream of the crop, building up these players, giving everybody who's coming from Challenger, you know, a chance to to grow up and to also to make sure that that is a, a cool part of right. the Right, I'm, I'm making like the ULC is the place to be, like yeah. not only for our people in Europe, but even from people from North America, even from people from different regions, really. We want this to be the ultimate league, the absolute best product in esports. Hear that, Santorin? You're not the last North American import. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, Ben, from your from your side, is there anything you want to add? Is there anything that like stands out to you? Um, yeah, I think Carlos made a really good point about maximizing the value at the top for the EU LCS. I think my concerns just simply echo that. Uh, otherwise, it's it's going to be just simply execution of a strategy that Riot puts in place. Hmm. Uh, and there's always going to be execution risk and market conditions changing, and we have to be reactive. Uh, and, and there's always that the question of, you know, with the EU team, uh, do they have the capability to react fast enough and, and to do things perhaps that goes against um, priorities of a different region and independence from other regions. I think that's something that's key. Um, then short-term risk, I think, is if you're a new team coming in, uh, potentially a soccer club and uh, that, or or a non-soccer club or a new team coming in, and you're you're told that you're going to be starting a season uh, in the beginning of January, and you only have you know six weeks or a month to really get set up infrastructure-wise. That's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Um, I remember when we when we first got our Challenger Series team, when we, when we acquired it, um, it was actually first a Challenger Series qualifying team, became a Challenger Series team. We started Challenger Series literally less than a week after we got the team. And it was a nightmare trying to get that all spun up. So I can't imagine trying to do it at an LCS level where you got to hire you know, coaches and trainers and gaming house at a minimum. So there's there's some short-term risk for for mm. for that, um, but but that's all overcomable. Yeah, and I think we can talk about that more when we talk about the application itself in terms of like what Riot is looking for and and how much of that they want to see kind of put in place and together ahead of time when teams are looking to you know to apply for the future. So our first topic and kind of focusing in is about the removal of relegation as part of this long-term partnership process. Uh, and I'm curious, what what do we kind of mark from your perspective? What are the expected pros from this? Why was this something that, that we brought to the table? How do we see this improving the league um, from a Riot perspective? Yeah, there's a variety of things there. I, I think number one is definitely more stability for teams. I mean, we've seen and we've been, you know, of course, also... And receiving feedback from teams over the past years that 
the fact that you could pretty much be out of the league every four months just really makes it hard just to operate a business, right? You, you, you have to plan ahead. You have to build your business plan. You have to manage your cash flow. You have to do so more. I mean, the others can, other two can probably speak better to that. But, uh, you know, it, it's just difficult. It also, um, one of the, the downsides there was that um, depending on how the, you, you know, your performance goes uh, over the course of a, of a split, you, you sometimes were forced to make unhealthy business decisions in terms of like player choices mm. uh, that were very short-term oriented, but you felt you had to because you needed to protect your investment and protect, you know, ensure your, your, your survival in the league because unfortunately we didn't have a strong layer you could fall back to in case you do relegate because the Challenger series um, just systemically was was never really a, a, a greatly sustainable league uh, for teams that's just how it developed over time and um so yeah in yeah, summary and, i guess like stability I mean, that's number one that's the number one positive i would see this is going to be both the teams who went from from challenger to worlds uh here in terms of coming in for g2 coming in with with misfits as well um but i'm curious from your guys perspective when when you guys are Without you know giving away any any real specifics here, um, when you're talking to sponsors, like is this something that you're very aware of that you have to be very upfront about? Is that like this is a spot we may not hold that this could go away that we could sign a year or a two year deal and we could not be in the LCS, um, you know, six months nine months from now. So uh, you're talking from the uh, when, when relegation exists. Yeah, correct? when when relegation yeah. exists. So like in. in Previous to yeah. this split, so, like if the threat of relegation, how how big of a factor was that when it came to like locking down sponsorships sure. and securing these deals? So it is definitely very impactful because first of all, you can't commit as a company uh, with hundred percent certainty that this is the at least the minimum value you will be able to provide to the partner in question or the investor in question, which means that you have far less leverage, which means that less dollars come into play and less and, and a shorter commitment also. Uh, so it was definitely bad from a business point of view. But now if we go from a, uh, just simply league-wide and industry-wide point of view, the existence of relegation in a setup where there's only 10 teams in the league, because in a setup when there's 20, 30, then it's different because the, 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 the risk is far lower. But in a setup where there's literally 10 teams in the league, there, there's let, let, me, let me try to rephrase this the best I can, okay? So... There are teams whose DNA is to win, and there are teams whose DNA is to uh, entertain. There are teams who have uh, DNA of both, and there are teams who have DNA of a little bit of both, right? And when there is relegation, it doesn't matter what your DNA is, you're forced to be competitive. So even if your DNA is to entertain the people through content, by having while you are having a correct team, you can't pull that plan forward because you're forced to win. If you don't win, you're going to go down, uh, which subsequently makes the league, uh, uh, you know, to have less relevancy and uh, an impact. If every team right there is... But Carlos, I think what you're saying implies a little bit that, have you know, having no relegation will lead to teams not having to be as competitive, like necessarily. Well, he, I would challenge he, that he, point of view. He, here's the thing. Um, this is, I think, mathematically. If... Uh, 
there's 10 teams in the league. There's always going to be, let's say, four teams that will always do everything it takes to win. And that's, a, and that's a good thing. They will even go ahead and be okay with losing money year over year because their DNA is winning. Would I consider G2 as part of that mix? Maybe. Maybe yes. Um, and But if everyone would do that, the league wouldn't be as successful as you could. There always needs to be a team that is incredibly good at creating content and very decent at putting teams together, but that not necessarily will undoubtedly be fighting for first place every time. And I think that a league uh, uh, that is uh, successful and the best league in the world needs to have a little bit of everything. And with the existence of relegation, that a little bit of everything is simply not there. Sorry, Ben, I didn't want to... No, go ahead. Uh, I would put it a little bit differently. I mean, from my point of view... We do want every single team in the league to want to win, right? We want every single team in the league to want to go to Worlds and represent the region and ultimately, potentially, you know, win Worlds. But that said, of course, the reality of a, of a league and a competition is, is that not every team can't win. That's just how it Although is. This split, uh, this past split, might uh, <laughs> contradict that statement, as everyone could take games off of every, uh, sure, off sure, of sure. anyone. But yes, but you know, after nine weeks, we're going to have a ranking, and there's going to be a team at tenth, and there's going to be a team at first. That's just how it's always going to be. But I want the team that's tenth also to, you know, not be content with being tenth, of course, but to want to win. And uh, yes, not having relegation, uh, how do you then deal with that? So, so we did want to make sure in, in this new structure that we have mechanics in place that uh, prevent a team from just taking on the, you know, Carlos, I, I appreciate that, you, that you're saying we want like this, this, this mix and, you know, a team that is created stronger in content and a, a team that is stronger at something else. And I would agree with that. But when it comes to like wanting to win, like I think that spirit needs to be in, in every team. And if a team intentionally says, you know, we're, that's not really our focus. Like we're just here to create memes, right? Then, I, then yeah. you know, I, 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 I understand. So it, it, it was uh, obviously the, the way I, I perceive this is not as extremist or polarizing as there is one or the other, but more like wh- which team is leaning where. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, which which then I think is a positive, and I will never bash any team just because they're fifth and they are not in a position to be first. You know, I, I will probably bash them more if they don't create any content to make the league more entertaining. At the end of the day, I see my players, I see even myself, I see Ben and Ben's team, every team as gladiators that come into an arena, you know? The reason League of Legends esports uh, exists is because the people get entertained with us. And mm. it's our duty to entertain them. That's That's the bottom line. If you entertain them, through decent gameplay and incredible content, then good to you, good for you. You know, you're doing very good for the league and very good for the industry. So that's where I stand. You know. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people. Um, I think the thing that like stands out to me the most actually about this thing is that you talk about like a team that's willing to commit a hundred percent to competition, right? And I think we as a league love to see that because at the end of the day, like as a caster, that's what I want to see. I want to see teams fighting, die hard for the top spot. But in the old system, it didn't feel like performance was the best way to make a business successful, right? First place has always obviously been important. Winners are obviously going to get more followers. But if you tell me you've got, let's take the the Delta Fox team from last year, obviously got a ton of viewership based on these names and these faces and the content associated with them and not the gameplay. I like the idea that in the future, because we're rewarding uh, you know, performance, there's metrics to actually reward performance in a new system, 
it does seem like some of the some of the teams that are willing to invest more into competition are rewarded well, yeah. and the teams also that are want to make more entertaining content are rewarded as well as well. And we're yep. no longer choosing between one or the other. There's not only incentives. There's also going to be uh, punishments for 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 freeloading, pretty much. Yeah. Um, good. Yeah. So it goes both ways. It's it's incentives on the other side, but then someone could just say, well, you know, I don't really care too too much about the money. Yes, then I'm going to get a little less. That's fine. So we also need to make sure that that also doesn't work. And uh, we will make sure that we have uh, such mechanics in place. And I think, though, that, that that also comes back to you guys through this application process to make sure that when you are vetting applicants, that I think I want 10 gladiators. Yeah, absolutely. You know, ultimately, competition is going to breed. Ganicus, Spartacus. Yes. You watch that? Of course, I watch Spartacus. <laughs> yeah, on stars? The best show ever. <laughs> on stars? Amazing. Oh, my God. Um, Just avoid quoting it directly. That's my yeah. only request. Ganicus. Uh, <laughs> that was a great show. Oh, it was Fantastic. amazing. Fantastic. My, my favorite. Amazing. My favorite. Yeah. Yeah, that guy, uh, what was his name? He passed away. Oh, the, poor the, guy, man. The, 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 but the second guy was also very yeah, legit. he was very good. Uh, anyways, back on top. Uh, yeah, I think Riot has to do a good job of, of vetting candidates and applicants to make sure that they will be competitors. Uh, ultimately, I think the removal of relegation is healthy, not just for teams, but also for players. Uh, you look about stability of rosters, and you look at other esports like, like Counter-Strike, where there's a roster swap season, and it is absolutely mayhem, ridiculousness of number of changes going on. And uh, I think that a, a place, if you imagine like professional sports leagues or take a look at the NBA, if every offseason, you know, every team had five new starters, that that's not healthy. No really way to build great storylines. And so the removal of relegation is important in that because players will be able to sign with teams for longer terms because they know the team's going to be there. And similarly for sponsors, we were you know, one of your earlier questions was, well, have you guys experienced or have you been impacted by relegation? The answer is yeah. You know, we, we just announced our Alienware deal. We've been working on it for, for literally almost a year. Congratulations, really. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, but one of the reasons why it took so long um, was because they just weren't sure if Misfits would be around. And one, why would they invest a lot of money and resources and time and energy into helping to build the Misfits Alienware story? When they wouldn't know if we would be there, you know, for the next year. So, so yeah, I think it, it does. It definitely is impactful. Yeah, good to hear. And of course, we'll wish you luck. And and what I assume will be your application process as well, as it's going to yep. be hopefully competitive. Hopefully, you know, we have eighty gladiators applying. Yeah, no, there's no assurance. Like, <laughs> hopefully, we have four hundred, five hundred gladiators yeah. applying. I don't know how many. I have no idea what's a reasonable number for this. I've never a million <laughs> gladiators. Like, Eighty sounds a lot. Maybe it is five hundred gladiators. I don't know. Hopefully, a lot of gladiators. But um, you brought up kind of like signing players for longer, and I think this is interesting because Carlos, I know you've uh, fanatically signed Reckless for three years. You guys have also committed to Perch for a long time. Him coming in is, is kind of a, a, a franchise player for you guys. And we uh, had two players that are finishing their two-year contracts with us. Yeah, so you guys are both have been in the past willing to commit, and Carlos, you even in a, in a world where you still have to apply for this have been willing to commit. In this world where we have permanent partnerships, do we see a lot more of this happening just across the board? Does it just make sense as a business to, so, to lock down a player for multiple no, years? No, no, I'm not going to lie to you. It's all, it was always very hard to sign long-term partnerships with or long-term kind of contract with players. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's why I'm, I was so proud of us uh, changing four players in this lineup, some of them willingly, some of them unwillingly. Uh, 
in, in, in the offseason, you know, we ended up with literally a completely different team except Perks, you know, and we managed to re-sign Perks for three years, the bottling for another three years, uh, get Jankos and Wonder for two years and the coach for three years. So we have a combined 16 years of contracts, which is unprecedented in the Western world, right? That's something that gives me a lot of confidence and allows me to build on a long-term basis. And not only that, my content team I don't even have to speak to them. They know what the contract durations are with the players and by default tend to put much more efforts in promoting those players mm. and in, in kind of pushing those storylines within G2. Why is that? Because they know that there's a high likely chance that two years from now they'll still be here. Uh, and, and same goes for partners. Partners see that we have the longest contract in the West and they're like, okay, so I can trust that at the very least the vast majority of these players will be uh, will be there, you know, next year and the, the the year later. So, I think that this is the um, exactly what um, success for the industry means mm. is long term agreements with both partners and players alike, long term agreements between publishers and teams, and and those long term agreements are the foundation of a, a successful entertainment industry, really. Yeah, it feels to me, I think one of the things that we've seen in esports that's always interesting to me is it feels like we have some orgs that have these these kind of big fan bases, but a lot of it still feels like it's about the individual players. And does this seem like a world where we can get a lot more people who are not just Perks fans or Requis fans or Hansama fans, but Misfits fans, Fanatic fans, G2 fans who are, who are loyal to this brand? Because, I mean, as an American growing up, right, I'd Seahawks or I would... <laughs> be verbally assaulted by my family if I chose any other team. <laughs> I, like that dedication runs runs really deep, and I know it's a similar story for for football clubs. For you guys, do we see the same kind of thing potentially coming to to League of Legends and to esports when we can actually make these these kind of long term deals? Uh, one one point so. that I wanted to mention because it came up quite quite often. I've seen that in the community. Is you know Europe is known for great storylines such as. The origin miracle run, you know, from Challenger to the LCS, to Worlds, and then even to Worlds semis, right? I remember that year. It was an amazing storyline. I still think of that sometimes. We've had other, you know, we've had some really great brands um, over the years. And the sad thing about that is, is that we, we've, we've lost those brands also again. And um, we also have to look at it from like a, these teams invested in their brands, the league invested in those in those brands. There was a lot of fandom connections built up, and then suddenly that just vanishes, right? Like all that all that investments from all of the different sides is just hot air, with no, you know, it's just gone. And um, whenever you have a system where you put resources in <laughs> somewhere and then those resources turn to nothing, then that has to be like some like a faulty system, right? Um, so I would say, yes, like that particular angle of story, you know, mm -hmm. from Challenge Worlds, sure, that will not be possible. Uh, but at the same time, there's so many other new cool angles that you can build if you have teams that are, that, that the, you, you, that are in the league for a longer time, like historical rivalries. Um, you know, I, I love things like, uh, you know, these two teams met in the finals four years ago. Like, how? what did the two teams look like back then? What did they trash talk back then? And how is it going to look like right now? Hey, like, 
I mean, look, we, we had Origin come out on Twitter and tweet something vaguely sounding like they might be applying to the process, and the yeah. first comment in the thread is already, Ocelot versus X-Peke, Ocelot versus X-Peke. Honestly, I, absolutely, yeah. I would absolutely love yeah. to have him back in the LCS yeah. so I can spank him again. <laughs> you know, I, I, this is, this is, I, I, I said it in, in a private kind of uh, setup set before, but, um, you know, it's, it, I, I, I'm, I'm very vocal about this. I would love to have uh, my arc enemy sharing league with me, you know? I would really, I would really do, uh, you know, it, maybe not as, as, as a kind of, uh, kind of executive or whatever, but as a kind of, uh, you know, PR image or ambassador, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's just incredibly, uh, it's, it's incredibly good to have these storylines and to know that four years ago that happened, uh, the, 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 the B word, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention it. The B word happened, and uh, and, uh, and and you know four years later or five years later, there's you know the storyline begin and begins again. You know after beating them in the grand finals of LCS, and that's amazing, and that's that's what I live for. You know that's the reason why I'm in this industry and why I really created G2 to have these moments. And I mean, there's already stories now coming up too. I mean, even from from your perspective, Ben, we've got Han Sama versus Reckless. They were fighting for a lot of last year for who's the better AD carry. Reckless feels like the winner now, but Han Sama's always been like who's always stepped up in the best of format. Doesn't get there, but maybe Summer is like reigniting that fire. And it, and it does. It is nice to know uh, if if both these players or these orgs, if we see uh, you know similar faces, once the the partnerships come through, that like that whatever the new story is, we can have that similar kind of fire in the league. But I think there's a lot of positives here. But I think there's also people. A lot of people are concerned, right? Uh, we live in an EU sports environment, and this is, this is an environment that I didn't really grow up in, but I know is, is a concern that a lot of people voice is that they like the idea of relegation. And while it may not have been the best from a business perspective, they felt like it, it always pushed newer names, newer faces, you know, and while churning, you know, and losing a lot of those brands wasn't always good, there was always like, it wasn't just the top six teams going to playoffs, the bottom four teams were fighting for something too, so. But I, I think there's, there's a, an important point to make. First of all, is that the sports that we are used to watch in Europe, where relegation is a thing, you very, very, very rarely, if not ever, see a top team going down. Because the dynamics of the league, the dynamics of the game itself, simply don't allow for a better team to lose so many games in, that would put them in a position where they would go down. However, we are in a completely different environment here. League of Legends is a game where there's, of course, many, many different players, uh, but it's a game where you can see, watch other people stream, the best players in the world stream, you can see how they play, you can literally mimic what they do, spend 14 hours a day playing like them, and you have actually a pretty good shot at, at learning how to play the game as well as them. And mechanically, there may not be that many differences between the first and the hundredth best player in the world. Um, uh, it's all about team play. It's all about these kind of different aspects, which makes it very easy, or at least much easier, than in traditional sports, for a, a top team to go down, just because they had three bad last uh, three bad months in which team play wasn't there, in which there's only five five players in a team. One maybe broke his hand. Like literally, literally that one thing that can break the whole chain, and that dynamic alone makes it for uh, this uh, non-relegation topic to be relevant, in my mm -hmm. eyes. Uh, I've never seen Real Madrid go down <laughs> in the league, and I, I don't expect to see that in the future. Yeah, I think it's just, it's a totally, it's apples to oranges. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think that ultimately removing relegation will increase competitive desire of teams. And then secondly, I think, you know, like you said, people say, oh, removing relegation is not going to be competitive. You know, sure, there, there may be a team that is just not as good. Um, but I think that if you look at other sports where, you know, for example, for, for us in the North America scene, where you hear about tanking and that, but the, per the reason why people are tanking is because there's another goal of getting a higher draft spot. That doesn't exist here either. So I, I, don't, I don't really buy into the, the negative aspect of it. And look, I'm a product of Challenger Series myself. But, you know, I think over time, this model where you have, you know, 10 teams for now, maybe there's expansion down the line, whatever Riot decides uh, is going to be the healthiest ecosystem for, for all parts of the system. I think from a, from a league point of view, I mean, I, Carlos, I appreciate your... Your your point there because obviously you 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 have been uh, traditionally a top team right, um, like when we look at it from a league point of view, whether the top team relegates or whatever relegates doesn't matter right. It's it's just the fact that there's a relegation because every team is part of the ecosystem, and um, is is uh, something we we feel like okay. Let me restart this. Uh, I grew up in, in Germany, you know, in Munich. Football, pretty big deal there. Uh, has been a big passion of mine uh, when I grew up. And, and, and I can completely relate to, to a lot of Europeans saying, this feels just alien to me. This, is like, this doesn't feel like sports, or however you want to phrase that. Um, I, can, I can certainly relate. And when we... Matter of fact, like most of the team that we have in, in our offices is European and they, uh, I will have to say it, it, it took some, you know, con convincing uh, for, for a lot of people here to, to get over this initial hump because we just got to recognize there is just some, some form of bias there. It's just if you're not used to something, it's going to be alien to you in the beginning. I recognize that. Um, for me, the, the big thing that, that, that turned it around for me in my head was you know, football is great, but football had like 100 years yep. to build their system. Yeah. They have uh, like eight layers of competition that build on top of each other. Uh, all of which are, I'm not going to say like every single team and every layer there is sustainable. That's not the case. But, you know, each of these layers has some form, like in the very lower layers, it's all like government supported. Like that's that's really grassroots. Um, and then as you as you go up, like... If if you as a like first division team drop down to the second division, that doesn't mean that you're you're dead as like a business. Sure, it's it is a big hit. Like it is terrible, but it doesn't mean that you have to close shop immediately. And then there's even a third division in in in, in many of the, like the the bigger regions that can also be still considered you know pro at least like semi pro level that you can you know surviving and, and and there's mechanics in place that to sort of like protect right. you there i feel like we we're just not in a position in in league where we can support this like at this point in time hmm. uh, i've seen a lot of comments say why don't you just make challenger series sustainable why, <laughs> why don't you one. what does that mean why, why don't you just you know change the format or change whatever and then make it so that if you drop down from lcs it's not so bad the problem with that is it's 
it's really hard to to do that. It's just not. But you 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 just make something sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, from your guys' perspective, you guys have both played in Challenger or both had teams in Challenger. I mean, was do you feel like you could have uh, sustained a business like independent of Riot in Challenger with the viewership you got, with the support you got from fans? Was no. that a sustainable model for you? Not at all. The only reason to be in Challenger at the time was to get to LCS. Yeah, absolutely. And we, for us, we at the time, you know, paid then LCS prices of players. And so the the model was just ass backwards. The only, that was re- literally the only reason. There was no reason to be in Challenger in and of itself. Uh, and I think to Mark's point, when you think about, you know, some of if you get relegated in soccer, he's saying about mechanics. I mean, these guys they get balloon payments from the leagues that they that they are leaving to help them sustain and you know major revenue sources that still are there. Uh, that that. It's just not possible. And they have right long-term now. contracts with players, so when they go down, they can choose to sell a top player, and then they have like really good lesser players. So every time a good team uh, went down into second division, for example, Atletico Madrid went down once in La, in La Liga uh, to second division. They, it took them literally a year to go ba- to go back up, and it was actually not that hard. Why is that? Because it's many games, it's many players. So the the, the, the more variables in play the more likely it is that the better team wins more often. Or the, the more likely it is that the better team doesn't find a catastrophic event yeah, when yeah, they go down. You know what a mean? single variable going wrong doesn't affect it when there's more Exactly. Yeah. The same way as when there's a BO5 in League of Legends, there's a higher chance of a better team winning. It's literally the same reason. So uh, following up on Mark's point, which I think is totally right, we are building something that doesn't exist literally. Nothing existed before that is close to what we're doing today. There's nothing. So we're building uh, from zero and we're trying out, we'll uh, commit mistakes and we will f- fix them and upgrade them along the way. And, and this is one of those, those things, you know, we identified that with, for our industry, with the variables we play, uh, there's a high likely chance that relegation is counterproductive. So, you know, I think this is a good move. So the next kind of topic that I think is really important here, we've talked a lot about the the ecosystem and this being better with the removal of relegation and something that we've already brought up a few different times is is the revenue sharing. Uh, And Mark, you talked kind of briefly about it earlier, but why don't you run us through just an overview of how this revenue sharing is is actually going to work? What do the percentages look like? Uh, What are some of the the details there? Yeah, sure. At at the top level, the structure looks like this. Um, We will have a league revenue pool. So this is a an imaginary pool uh, uh, to which all of the revenues that the league generates from uh, sponsorships and media distribution, uh, licensing, and so forth flow into. So 100% of what Ride generates um, on that end will flow into the league revenue pool. Additionally, a portion of what the the teams generate from their business um, will flow into that pool as well. And uh, after one season, we will take a look how much is in that pool and then distribute those funds according to... um, We'll distribute it with the percentages of 32.5 to the league, uh, which is what Riot would just use to operate the league, 32.5% to um, the teams, and 35% um, to the players. 
So one thing I wanted to clarify is because I've seen some misunderstanding there when, when we say 35% to the players. It, it's not that physically um, the money will be paid from Riot to the players. Um, the, the, the players will remain employees of the teams. So the money will effectively uh, flow to the teams and from there to the players, right? Um, but uh, the the how it works with the 35% is just that we take a look at the salaries that have been paid to the players uh, in that given year um, and do a calculation and check whether the salaries in total in the league that have been paid to the players are more or less than 35% of this revenue pool. Now, if they were less than what the revenue pool generated for the league, that means that we feel the players deserve more. So, so the difference between the actual salaries that have been played and the 35% of the LRP, that will then be paid out to the players as a bonus. Cool. If, if it's not the case, and if the player salaries were so high that they actually are more than what the, what the league was able to generate, that, then nothing happens. Then the additional salary on top will be, have, will be paid out of pocket by the teams. And Mark, just to clarify something that you just said, to, for yourself to clarify, when you said the riot portion will be used to operate the league, you mean to, to but that's not going to set the budget of the league. So the actual production value that we have now and, and, and all the great things that the league is doing, content-wise, et cetera, will continue to happen. Riot still will continue to front those expenses. Yes, definitely. I mean, I think it's a little bit like it will be for the teams. So we don't expect like this model in the immediate term to be able to fund, uh, you know, all of the costs of the league. That would be that would be pretty. Yeah, would I just be want people TLDR ambitious. players get everything at first. <laughs> no, I, you know, I wanted to just make sure that that people understood that you know the you're not going to sacrifice the product. Yeah, let's say. No. Yeah, I just want. Yes, to, like it, it's not going to set the operating. In the theoretical the world, world not, where, no, that yeah. thirty-two point five percent are not going to set the operating. Right, right, right. Of course, when this thing scales, you would hope that that would exceed expenses. In an end. ideal world, you know, sure. so at some point in the future, that would be great because yep. we're, of course, we're looking at this as something that we want to uh, do for decades, and yep. that means that you know we want to be in a position where this is sustainable at some point. But you know, of course, um, we will have to pay out of pocket. So yeah, no matter what happens in the first year, you can expect consistently high quality broadcasts. And he has done a great job this year. Yeah, it's incredible. Put that in your hands, Rick. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he was just trying to put the ball aside. (laughs) It's on you. It's on you. (laughs) All right, cool. So I mean, that's an interesting thing. Um, So I know that the the player you've explained the player part pretty well, but in terms of the teams, both what are how are we deciding what what teams get in terms of percentages here? Because it's mentioned in, in the article, there's some competitive metrics, there's some engagement metrics. Do you have like an overview of what those are, what like what we're actually looking at there? Competitive feels pretty straightforward, but uh, engagement's a little different. Sure, yeah. Uh, so as, you, as you've mentioned, um, there will be competitive as well as uh, engagement metrics because we do want to reward teams more that do a better job overall in terms of competitive and in terms of engagement. Um, so for competitive, it's pretty easy. It's just going to be, you know, how well did you perform? We have a ranking, you know, we were a league. So, so, th- so that one's easy. And then there will be a distribution formula uh, according to how you've placed. And uh, when it comes to uh, engagement, 
like the the overall thinking there is which team was the one that brought the most viewers the most engagement to the league to the broadcast to the stream so there's going to be a variety of things we we can take into account um which will be baked into uh, a magic formula mm. which will then be used to to rank all the teams cool and is, is all of this about uh the engagement that they bring directly to the product of of lcs and looking at that does it also interact with let's say content features if we were to put out a feature about let's say a g2 player would that also be factored into it or is it is it pretty much all exclusively about the viewership or the engagement that they bring to the product of eu lcs specifically yeah so we we might factor in some supplementary things uh but but it is true that at its core the most important thing you know at I don't want to sound super corporate, right? But the 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 big monetization opportunity for us is is the the broadcast, right? Mm. So um, sponsorships that go along with that, and uh, any any media deals we we will be able to do with that. So that will be the the core of it. But uh, you know, as you say, there there can be uh, activations that don't necessarily can directly be correlated mm. to that. So we will try and take those into account. We will have to see how we, in detail, uh, manage that. Okay. Um, we. It's interesting to hear, kind of, what what how we're going to be providing back to the teams, right? You talk about competitive engagement. What are the teams actually putting into this? Because teams are also putting in. You said a percentage of, of whatever whatever they're making. But like, what what is that percentage actually coming from in terms of what teams are going to be putting on the table and providing to the league, or to this pool? Um, it will be sponsorship revenue that teams generate, like individual sponsorships that teams might do. Uh, it will also include a portion of uh, merch that they might do. Um, so overall, like uh, business that is generated uh, by being part of this league, utilizing the brand that they, they use in the league, uh, that's the core of what the league will share in. Is there any opportunity in the future for more kind of maybe in-game things? I know when we look at uh, successes in other esports, we've seen a lot of success with kind of in-game resources or in-game, you know, whatever it is, cosmetic upgrades, banners, champions, what, whatever. I mean, probably not champions. Don't get your hopes up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but like, stickers, is there any... Skins, stickers, votes, skins, skins, words, et cetera. Um, yeah. So is there is there is there a plan to like in this in this long term partnership world to kind of try to bring more aspects of the teams and the partners into the actual game League of Legends? Um, so I'm I will caveat this by saying that I'm not the authority to speak on digital because this is something that we are managing centrally. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason being that it has always been the philosophy of Riot that we want to ensure. Uh, uh, gameplay experience is consistent across the world. So that has been like, like one of the core values that we that we have as a company. So um, it is not the plan, at least that not for now, um, that we say okay, like for this region, we're going to individually create uh, a new digital line that doesn't exist anywhere else because mm -hmm. we feel that that would um, be unfair to everyone else and just um, not be be healthy. That's that never how we approached it. Um, or actually, correct. Actually, we did approach it that way. I remember, like very, like in the past, we've had like exclusive skins in, in certain regions at some point. But we realized that that's not a great idea, and we we, we moved away from that. 
Um, so this is something that's managed centrally, so I can't, I'm not an authority on this, but I will say that we are definitely constantly looking into what new possibilities could there be of, of combining esports with in-game items, in-game uh, monetization. We have traditionally had the, the team seminar icons that have been going mm. on for a few years. Uh, but on top of that, we have on an international event basis, um, a few skins. And we are also, we have been playing around with, with emotes, right? Um, so for the skins, I think the difficulty is we have so many teams, right? We have so many regions, um, you know, 14 regions, let's say it's 10 teams everywhere, 140 teams. Yeah, I think skins is the um, one that I don't think people are expecting yeah. as much of. 150 you know, champions, the, so a, 140 times 150, you do the math. It's a lot. Yeah, so, uh, but, I mean, is this something that, like, we, we, I mean, I understand that this is, like, a really complicated thing, and, and the philosophy behind why Riot doesn't want to just give Europe exclusive Europe team things that other regions can't have, but is this something that you think that there will be a push for in the future in terms of esports is kind of making it more interactive with the, the, the core League of Legends experience? That I would say for sure. I mean, something that we, um, you know, want to look at is if I'm an esports fan right now, how can I express that? How can I take part? How can I enhance my experience uh, of being, you know, being a fan of a team or a fan of LCS? Right now, this is very limited what I can do. I mean, I, sure, I can buy that icon. Okay, great. Um, but then, you know, there's not much. And um, we're looking at what others are doing. We, we have some, some great own ideas. I can't really like, reveal anything right now, but um, we do feel like expression of, of, mm. of fandom and you know, really creating a deep connection with, with the fan and the team and the league. That's hugely important. And um, that's something we are investing resources in trying to figure out how we can do this the best way. I mean, I like the idea that I like more opportunities to only during Worlds, flash EU team logos, as I would be biased for me to flash an EU team logo during the regular season. Um, one thing I'm curious about is we talk about like team sharing and uh, you know some of their uh, their profits from from their merch, etc. But you know we've got a lot of teams that, uh, especially for both you, Ben, and Carlos, who have who are present a uh, presence in multiple esports. So are we? Is that something that those these teams and these orgs need to be concerned about? Is is potentially having these revenue pools or sharing revenue pools from another esports with us because we're asking them to share revenue, or is mm -hmm. that something that we've already planned and accounted for? Mm -hmm. So I think there's two parts to this question. I'm I'm going to try and answer the the first part a little more broadly because I've seen this come up also in the community. Will any one factor? advantage or disadvantage a team mm. in the application process. So this factor could be, you know, I've already tried somewhere else or I've been a part of a different league or I am a multi-gaming org or I am a football club or I am in an NBA club. And to that, like generally, I would just say no singular factor like this will disqualify any anyone from, from anything. Like it is always whatever factor it may be. And let's take... Let's take the multi-gaming one as an example. We expect the teams to tell us how that is going to benefit what they do with the league. So if they are able to give us a good plan and a good story and explain us why this specific circumstance 
example, multi-gaming org, uh, is is beneficial for um, for what they are trying to do, and it's going to have like a synergy effect. There's like I don't know, whatever it may be, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, right? But um, <laughs> hit, hit people looking you to know, apply. Then, then that's totally fine. Like if they were to say that, well, sure, we, we were doing a lot of games and, you know, League is the least of our priorities, uh, then it's like, okay, that's not really awesome. Yeah, I can say from experience that um, just looking at our Counter-Strike team, which is a legendary French team, um, Rocket League World Champions in Hearthstone, uh, really uh, respected one of the top teams out there we have actually successfully gotten fans from these teams and these games into League of Legends actually so mm. I would argue that it's potentially a positive if you know how to use it um, but with, with that said um, when it comes into RevShare it is no question that League of Legends is the largest esport uh, out there today so uh, we would be lying to ourselves if I'd be telling you, you know, whatever revenue we generate, uh, you know, 5% of it is due to League of Legends. That would be a lie, right? Mm -hmm. um, and all of us know that. So I'm pretty sure that, that we are all going to come up, uh, you know, uh, in that case, we will come up with, with a, a, a kind of reasonable uh, share that, that makes sense and it's fair. And, and I have no doubts on that. Yeah. I mean, to, to that point, I guess, because the second part of the question, and you touched on that, um, trust is great, but of course, we, we want to ensure that um, we are doing this as accurately as possible because it would be unfair, especially to all of the other teams, if if we didn't. So we will need to have, you know, several accounting and auditing processes in place to make sure that um, revenues are assigned correctly. And we, uh, we're quite confident that the mechanics we'll put in place will, will make sure that there's yeah. no... And you have the benefit also of uh, the year lag against North America. So they will, I'm assuming, going through a similar process and there'll be a lot of learnings from that. And sure. I think we'll land in a really good spot. Now I'm curious for, Carlos, you kind of brought up how, how League is like this is this pretty big source of revenue within your organization and Ben is, is another multi-esports org owner. Uh, does this still feel like a good deal if you are already very successful in the current ecosystem? Uh, let's say we... Um, the relegation is removed as it is currently, but there's not a long-term partnership model. You don't have this revenue sharing. Does this still feel like a good deal to you um, as a team that's already performing quite well, as a team that's already been building fan bases at international events? I mean, you just have to look at the, the potential value add as opposed to where you are today, right? Uh, when, when I look at the perfect ideal scenario, is a scenario where uh, the game that I, loved, uh, that I love today and grew up with, which is League of Legends, is up there still. Um, that the league I'm invested in is the greatest league in the in uh, across multiple games in the whole esports industry, and that the monetization opportunities and fan engagement opportunities are better than anywhere else. Mm. And today, while we're doing a pretty good job, uh, uh, just in the in the ULCS, as I told you, just being in League of Legends, of course, is a big uh, selling point for both investors and, and partners alike. Uh, it could always get better. And the existence of this partnership uh, would undoubtedly make things better. Yeah, totally. Uh, I agree with Carlos. And then also the other major component is media rights. Again, not to get like into a lot of corporate speak, but you know the value of the media rights of League of Legends as we continue to grow it will only continue to grow itself. And now through... 
the partnership model, we as teams, if successful in our applications and are part of the system, will have a piece of that. And as well players. Mm. So uh, I think it's a it's a great positive giant step forward. I mean, it's good to hear. It's good to hear that you guys have this confidence in the system because I think a lot of people might be. We talked about it earlier, kind of about the the the, the fear of the quote unquote bottom feeder, right? The team that doesn't want to put anything in, that doesn't want to do that. So it's good to hear that you guys aren't are more focused on on the potential upside and the, like this could just be this giant thing that continues to grow that is this fantastic long term investment versus the you know the potential fear that I think some people have that it, like this might be end up costing you. Here here's the thing. Um, People see the surface of things. People see the final product. They see uh, there's an EULCS um, product. Uh, the production quality is very good. Just they see teams, they see players, they see players getting paid normally, month by month, but they don't know the background. They don't know the back office of all that, right? Mm. And and for all of that to make sense, um, the, the, the whole thing has to be sustainable. And, and people just see, again, the final product. They don't, they, they don't know what it takes to be there. And, and what it's taking all the stakeholders, including Riot, all the pretty much, I mean, loss of funds. Like there are many companies are losing money uh, thanks to the non-sustainability of the current kind of system. And and that people don't see. And, and, and they would probably see if this would keep going on for the next five years because they would see uh, incredible brands dying out. They would see perhaps production quality not growing at, at the pace it would grow with a system like that, they wouldn't see big brands, just name any, uh, lifestyle brands known by everybody getting involved as much as they would with a new system. So people are going to jump into the, uh, or some people are going to jump into the uh, love train. Some people are going to jump into the hate train. But um, those that are jumping into the hate train are likely jumping into the hate train because they lack the context of running a business hmm. with the current system in place. I think fair. I think uh, I think a lot of fans don't have the perspective. Some of them are gonna are gonna get it from hearing you guys speak today. And I think at the same time, there's gonna be a lot of people who are who are defending the interest of what they believe to be the the best system system for them competitively. So good that we're speaking to those people now. I mean, ultimately, you know, purest form of view with the competitive side and the hate on the hate train. If if that's their point of view, that type of system will not be here in five years. Like we, we just wouldn't exist. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. They can, you know. You can only lose so much money. <laughs> yeah. So the pure, the purest view will not sustain. Yeah, have to be willing to make some sacrifices to make it a business. But I mean, if it gives us more League of Legends twenty years from now, I'm, oh my god, sign me up. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the biggest piece of this whole thing is is that we've kind of all generally agreed that this is a plan that's good for the business, it's good for the long term. But of course. Neither of you gentlemen have made it in yet. There's still this big application process that I know is, is scaring a lot of people, owners and fans alike. Is their team going to be there? Is it not? Uh, Mark, there's a big list of questions that were kind of included in, in the initial article, but can you give us the kind of the, the TLDR of this process? What does this application process look like? And most importantly, what is Riot like looking for when it comes to these finding these long-term partners? Yeah, that's probably the question I've heard the most over the past week or so um and still i don't have like a prepared answer for that look at that well you've seen the list that we've had in the announcement so all of i'm not going to repeat all of them but you know all of these things are, are obviously factors but um if i had to summarize this what we're looking for is essentially 
the vision of that team. We want to understand how you tick, how you think you're going to be beneficial for the league, and not only the league, but how you're also going to help level up all of the other teams in the league, because only collectively we, we can win. So what is it that you bring to the table? What is your strategy to uh, uh, reach fans, in increase the audience, uh, engage them? Uh, how are you going to, in this very fragmented market with a lot of countries and cultures, how are you going to resonate with this very diverse audience? Uh, Europe is special in that regard. Uh, there is no one like solution to that, but we are interested in hearing how you think about that, how you how you feel about that. I'm interested too, because as a as a non-European, I can't even be, even as somebody who's lived in Europe, I can't even begin to unpack the puzzle of marketing across so many different countries and so many different languages. But I'm gonna put Ben on the spot because I don't have to apply. Luckily for me, Ben on the other hand has to have an application, has to have a strategy for, for marketing to Europe, for marketing to all these different audiences. Can you give us a sample? Like, what do you think is the approach when it comes to appealing to a European audience? We can't give away all the secret sauce right now, uh, but I think ultimately there is no one solution. I think that you have to, you know, unless you are, say, uh, a soccer club where you have a clear identity in one specific market, um, I think you need to do multiple different things with outreach, including utilizing your players and utilizing your brand and your social media following in order to translate into different languages. Uh, basic low-hanging fruit um, activities like that could, could ultimately go a long way when you're trying to build a brand and reach different people. And then one of the other main reasons and, and ways to 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 gain that following across different regions is is to win and carlos has done a good job of that uh to date we look to dethrone him uh soon <laughs> we ourselves also have have had a great uh run uh up until this past split you know going to worlds was a great experience i think the amount of fans and the the building of our brand that we were able to accomplish through that was was huge i remember when unfortunately we lost to SKT, you know the subreddit changed to you know fans of misfits was was the was the banner on the top, and there was a huge you know appreciation for our team and our players, uh, and so I also I think at the end of the day competitive sex competitive success uh, will drive a lot of your engagement, uh, and then a lot of it is just blocking and tackling underneath that. Yeah, and Carlos, you I mean you have. Uh, a lot of experience, you know, with pan-European teams and products between, you know, the French CSGO team, you've got a very diverse Hearthstone team, you've got a Berlin-based but very pan-European uh, League of Legends team. What, what have your experiences been with kind of marketing to this this European audience? And the U.S. world champions as well. Yeah, oh, yeah sorry. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, um, yeah, look, regardless of the region, really, um, G2 Esports is a is a reflection and a byproduct of our uh, core values and way of doing things in our DNA, really much. Uh, first of all, we are focused, I mean, not in this order, but we are focused in competitive success. This is uh, our DNA. We understand game mechanics, what makes up for a good team, uh, what makes up for a good kind of group of people, uh, what kind of characters you need to have in order to find success. Um, not always the most expensive players are gonna make you win. Um, so I think we, I consider ourselves pretty good at that. Uh, then secondly, and not less important, it, it was always my dream to uh, have 
and incredible amounts of fans and incredible amounts of haters. And overall, make sure that anyone who uh, knows about esports knows about G2. And that even if you're a hater or a lover, you're going to watch our game. Because if you're a hater, you want us to lose. And I want you to root against me. You know, I want you to buy Misfits. I want you to buy Misfits jersey so that my fan can buy or feels incentivized to buy G2's jersey. And it's a very competitive survival of the fittest way of, of thinking. But that's the way I envision competition and that's the way I envision branding. I envision all of all these things as, again, gladiators in, their, in an arena, you know? I'm going to kill you because otherwise you're going to kill me. Yeah. And, my, and my intention is not just to kill you, but I want to make a show of it. You know, I want the whole arena full of blood, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> this is getting dark. Dude. How, yeah. recent, how recently did you watch Spartacus? You yeah. keep throwing On, these mixes. I know, man. I, I told you already. Actually, my favorite film is Gladiator. So it's oh, not a coincidence. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, this is, this is all a part of, of, of uh, you know, why we built this company. And pretty much, if you look at my competitive career, it also fits, actually, uh, Perhaps I was less mature, but uh, <laughs> but all these all these things fit. Um, so so yeah, that, that's how I envision this. And in relation to the to the uh, application itself, mm. um, of course, uh, undertaking such a such a process is is incredibly tough, and uh, it, it takes a lot of energy and resources. Um, and and there is nothing certain in life. Um, and and I feel comfortable. Uh, not comfortable. Sorry, I feel uh, optimistic. Uh, that uh, our team, our staff team, and uh, the love and uh, really work ethic we built this company uh, with is going to uh, hopefully allow us to be part of this uh, of this partnership moving forward. Mm. We we believe we can and will be incredibly useful for the success of the league moving forward for both our uh, colleagues and competitors teams and um, Riot Games as, as a publisher and developer alike. So um, yeah, I'm I'm very looking forward for what's coming, and I like challenges. So let's do this. All right, Carlos just kind of gave us a little bit of the the elevator pitch on, on how he's gonna kind of market his team to to Riot Games. Ben, is there anything that, like what do you feel is like the biggest strength of your organization right now in terms of what you could offer a league uh, like the EULCS? You know, while while I'm not as uh, vocal in my gladiatorship as, uh, <laughs> as, as Carlos is, uh, we also have a drive uh, to win. And I think that that competitive nature and fire in us um, is also our DNA. I think we we take a more, um, maybe a more mild-mannered, public-facing approach to that. But behind the scenes, uh, our guys work their asses off. Um, and then I think also from, from a content standpoint, the stories that we are telling right now, uh, we've released a, a bunch of features this past split that I think uh, the riot themselves would be envious of in terms of quality and and storytelling. And so I, I hope that that also aspires other teams in our league uh, to produce the same quality of stuff because ultimately, you know, we as teams cannot rely on the league to tell our stories. For sure. We are responsible for telling our own stories. And I think that teams need to um, do a... Um, a real more complete job of doing that to getting the stories of our players out and the stories of, of our, you know, our, our highs and our lows. And so I think that we do a, a great job of that. And again, uh, I also think similar to Carlos where, you know, the staff that we have here at, at Misfits uh, will put our full passion and effort 
uh, and resources into creating the best possible application for us. This is actually a good point. It's a bit of topic, actually. Mm. Uh, but uh, Ben is mentioning about content and creating your own storylines. And I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm probably uh, known for uh, being vocal about some of the other uh, ULCS teams. Uh, yeah. Um, we, and, you know, connecting to all these points, you know, and I think Misfit is one of the teams that has done a really good job when it comes to branding and content. Um, and I would like to put you two, of course, in the same in, in the same group. And there was uh, like a like a um, storyline around our players. It was always coming from a content piece that we created, and that was a conscious effort. Mm. So you can actually make up what people speak about about you. We can talk about you know the the new kids of the block when we come into LCS, the villains. Uh, we can talk about the kings of Europe. We can talk about retaking the throne. You know, like all these things, we we push ourselves, even if some of them may not be uh, on paper as, uh, as 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 nice for your brand as you may think about. It. It's, it's actually fantastic. People talk, you know, it's up in Reddit. People talk about it. There's conversation. And then all of a sudden... It becomes uh, a thing. Yeah, all of a sudden, Dracos just... Uh, same, same with us with last about year it with the one-year plan. That was something that was yeah. uh, you know, very a conscious effort and desire from us to to have that be our... our our thing. Hussein brought it up every time I spoke to him. Yeah. Hmm. So, so I, I completely agree. <laughs> and I think ultimately, you know, because we have our own voice and our own channels as teams, we're going to scream. Yep. You know, it's exciting to hear. And uh, I guess the, the last question to kind of round out this whole discussion is uh, when can Mark expect your applications? You know, <laughs> as quickly as we last can. Last day. Yeah, last day. <laughs> <laughs> You got a bit of time. You got a bit of time. Open application to just started twenty ninth, right? So technically, it starts today, right? Twenty uh, eighth is when we've opened it. Yes. Ah, so yesterday, you guys could have been first day. It would have been unlikely, but could have happened. <laughs> that would have been a big statement, right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other question is, uh, Mark, do they get any extra credit for doing a podcast with us? Does this count? Do they get a bonus? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> it will be held against It's, it's going to be a minus point, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let me write that down. Yeah. Minus one. All right, well, thank you, Mark, for kind of running us through a lot of the changes. And, of course, thank you both, gentlemen, for your perspective on the league changes and also for those last-minute kind of selling points for, for why Misfits and G2R are, are such compelling orgs in, in, a, in a partnership future. People don't, don't see that. Uh, but um, Ben is uh, is extremely handsome in real life. Well, we'll have to post a picture. Yeah, we, we'll get a picture because this is uh, a still that, audio. Those only. are kind words oh. coming from the handsome man yourself. Oh, that's too handsome, man. See, okay, so I thought Bromance. I thought they were just buttering up Mark, but they're Bromance. actually buttering up each other. This is interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. getting uncomfortable. <laughs> 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 I was already uncomfortable listening to the two sales pitches. Yeah, you're you're half PR. German, I'm Spanish. Like that is a huge that is a huge kind of cultural difference right there. I can mm -hmm. get away with these things, you know? Okay. I can get away with these things. La verdad. La verdad. <laughs> He's from Miami, right? <laughs> there you go. Oh. All right, well we're gonna stop it there. I love it though. I love this this love song between owners and we'll make Mark a little less com <laughs> a little more comfortable. <laughs> so we'll call that it. But that is the bonus episode about the dive. Of course, if you have any questions feel free to reach out. Owners are on Twitter. Mark is also on Twitter. Yes. Yes, I don't use it as much, but yes. What is your handle? Riot Snowbird. Riot Snowbird. Also on Reddit, you slash Riot Snowbird, yes. I believe. So reach and out. what is your handle, questions. Ben? At Ben Spoont. And what is your handle? Oh, my handle is at Carlos R. Is it? 
That's not Oslo anymore, is it? No, I, cha- I changed it. You know why? Because I want to start. Can listen. I'm Oslo, but I'm also Carlos, right? Okay. My mom even calls me Oslo, and I'm like, listen, my name is Carlos. Like you, you, you get, you get, a, you. Get, I mean, you gave it me. You gave that, me that name. I mean, <laughs> and, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is your final fun fact of the day. Carlos's mom still calls him Oslo yeah. a lot. And with that, we'll see you guys next time.